You are listening to selfdiscoveryradio.com with an orchard of wisdom just ready for your picking, filled with illuminating, inspiring stories. Do check out the community and the discovery stores. We are here for you. Our next show is... Hello everyone and welcome to Self Discovery Radio. My name is Nehemiah Davila, a.k.a. Neo Positivity, and this is... It's Thoughts Become Things International, retraining your thought process, and we always talk about that. Thoughts become things. The brain, how it works, how you should work it, and how you should use it to your advantage. Now today, I have a special guest with me. You guys know how I am about spirituality. Uh, you guys know how I am about medicine. I'm not real big on taking medicine, and uh, so it's a real treat to have a doctor on the show that's also into thoughts become things because there's a there's a huge separation there and, and it takes a special person to merge and blend them together it takes a person who's been there who studied both sides you know obviously I haven't been to the college courses and studied all the things so I can't give you that second half but I have someone here with me a psychologist and spiritual coach Linda Marcinico right Marcinico I found something that right it's Marsanico. Marsanico. Oh, I got it written down here. And I still no worries. No Linda Marsanico. How are you doing, Linda? I'm great. It's so enjoyable to be here to talk with you. I'm I know. Such an amazing person to, to communicate with. I'm happy. I'm happy to speak with you. But before we get started, I want everybody to know who you are. I want them to know your personality. Um, I, I, you guys don't. You guys can't see I'm ear to ear right now. I was talking to Linda for a few minutes before we started talking. I had my own personal therapy session. Uh, it was great. <laughs> um, but Linda, give us a little bit about yourself, you know, where you come from and, you know, your life's resume. I was born in Queens, New York, in a very traditional Italian family. My mother was a homemaker, and I was the quiet one. I'm the oldest of four, and my role was to be the observer and to be quiet. And I must say, I, I'm a bit of an oddball in the family. It took me many, many years for them to understand me more and for me to feel that I can pretty much be myself. Uh, it's a very close family, but I had to work through a lot of um, traditions that were not close to my heart. You know, I'm a feminist, and to me, a feminist is a humanist. And um, I'm for equality for women as well as all people. So I. I went through school, and it wasn't until I'm I'm a divorced woman. I, I was actually divorced twice, and I started finally thinking for myself when I was 21. I went to parochial schools, and we we really memorized things. So there I was at 21, uh, thinking about the world and how I could fit into it, and I thought about being a woman. Uh, I have three wonderful children. Uh, it wasn't until I was around 24 that I started wanting to become a psychologist. So I had babies, I had one older son, two younger children, and I kept studying and having babies and worked, I would say, every day for about 10 years nice. to become a PhD. It was just something so important to me because I wanted to be able to make a difference and I felt that with the PhD in psychology I could make a, dis a difference that people would listen to what I had to say. So you went I have, as I said, three children and two grandkids. 
And so that's how you got to the psychologist point. How did you get to the spiritual coach point of it? Because, and, and you might say they're the same thing, but I, I mean, I've been to a psychologist before. <laughs> uh, the police department, they had to send us uh, um, for certain incidents uh, just to get us checked out. And I gotta say, it was a different experience than, 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 than dealing with a spiritual coach. In 2001, I joined a, I saw a healer and she had a weekly meditation group. And she knew that I was going to join but, and I said to her, no, I have no interest in a, in a weekly group. But then I realized I didn't want to go. And we learned chanting, meditation, and the wisdom from many different areas of the world. And I read voraciously. I was constantly reading Greg Braden and, and uh, Dyer and um, David Hawkins and... Deepak Chopra, and I kept reading and reading and reading. Uh -huh. And I found a resonance with spirituality because I didn't learn that in school. I learned it, and uh -huh. I think much of our, much of my important learning after the traditional courses and understanding and training, uh -huh. clients teach me, books teach me. We're here to teach and learn, and I'm an open learner. And often I find that when we're ready to learn something, we have to change something, something a little bit about ourselves. So as I read and read and read, I changed. And I became more aware of spirituality. There became a point in, in my sessions that when someone was sitting across from me and they unconsciously felt something, I would catch it on my arm or my leg, and I would have to ask myself, is this mine or theirs? And if it were theirs, I would begin to ask them what they were experiencing in the moment. And that started my interest in expanding the conversation. Because the spiritual perspective is the highest one. Not this is, you going to say something to me? No, no, go ahead. Okay. So if something is happening to me, I want to understand, what is this about? What, what, what is this? Why is it happening now? And what can I learn from this now? Um, the spiritual perspective just enlarges the picture. And I found that the coaching moved things along more than so-called psychotherapy, which to me is um, kind of getting old-fashioned for me. You know, I was just, just going to ask you what spirit, the, the term spiritual coach means to you and I was going to follow that with what is the what would if you had to put a difference between the two being a psychologist and a spiritual coach what would the major uh, difference be I expand the notion of reality to include other dimensions I invite ascended masters into the room angels guides and I tell my clients please don't think I'm smart as this by myself I never work by myself we have with most clients who are able to hear this, I share it. And asking about the spiritual perspective, being open to receiving direct information as I'm moving and dis uh, discussing things with my clients. It's the openness to explore an art form. Because when we have two people in a room who want to grow and communicate honestly, it's, it's amazing. 
Mm-hmm. The, the possibilities are amazing. And so I see that uh, available with the model of coaching. With coaching, people don't come in every week. They can, but I ask them to send me a summary of their history, their important relationships. So we don't have to spend time on that. From my clinical experience, I look at it and I can understand a lot of their background and how it could influence them. And as they speak to me, I'm able to give feedback and we move, always according to the pace of the client, but we move more dynamically. And then the client decides, well, I'll come to see you in three weeks or two weeks or a month, or I'll call you when I feel ready. And so there we are communicating and organically goals happen. Things come up in a session and we create homework, not like school homework, something for the client to do in between sessions, which they can change, forget about. If we come up with something and they take it home and they don't resonate, they can just put it on a shelf. Mm-hmm. And we realize that that was not the time for that. It's all about the client's experience and expanding the possibilities. So what methods do you use as a spiritual coach? I share with my clients that the spiritual perspective is the highest perspective. Things are happening to them. Let's ask, what is this about? What can you learn from this? I talk about metaphysics that we're in a oneness, that we're all children of the same creator, we're all connected, uh, and that it's in the illusion of the third dimension and the ego that we have this sense of duality. And our task is to heal into a, a unity of our personality. And I also talk about our, our being broadcast journalists, that we're transmitting vibrations which are a product of our thoughts and feelings, and we create energy all the time so let's be aware of what we're thinking now broadcast i like how you said that broadcast journalist i want everyone to think of it like this each and every thought you have is like an energy explosion exploding from your body in all directions and that's what she means by broadcast journalist be careful what you're putting out there you have to be careful about what you're putting out there now linda i wanted to ask you um a lot of things you mentioned seem on the more spiritual side. Coming from, you know, a psychologist background, do you find that there's some things that you learned in the books that you push aside now that you know the spiritual coaching part of it? Most definitely. I developed a four-stage kind of a model where I say, okay, understand what you're thinking. Because if we don't understand it, Thoughts go round and around from childhood. They're almost unconscious or routine. Mm-hmm. Step back and listen to your thoughts. If you don't like them, replace them with something positive. Then look at your habitual behavioral responses. If someone is rude to you, do you just snap back and get rude back? Are you, if, you, if you're okay with that, okay, you're all right with that. But if you're not, plan what your response is going to be. Then... Let's look at the roots of behavior. Look in childhood. We don't dwell. We want to understand what are the influences of these roots. They inform. And at certain times, we may do some grief work, where my training as a psychologist comes in very handy. Uh, And then we, we use meditation and mantra. 
can we go back and forth around those? Because we're really talking about changing the software program in the brain. That's another, I, I love to use it because it's funny and, and people are so IT conscious. Mm -hmm. Let's change the software program. And you do that by starting with that model and, and using it and going back to it whenever you need to. Now, do you, do you meditate? Oh, yes. Every day I do. Now, here's a big question right here. Because for a long time, I thought meditation was just clearing your mind. And then, you know, when I got to get eggs pops back in, you, you, you shoo it away and clear it again. And you just try to spend as many seconds uh, as clear as possible. And then um, I used to do a thing called intense visualization, IV. And where I would put myself in a scenario, um, you know, let's say uh, a conference room with Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> and I, and I, I try to water that seed as much as possible. And then I talk with a couple coaches that use what they call guided meditation, which for me is intense visualization, which for a long time was the opposite of meditation. But now I've come to love and know them as the same. And, and, and it's kind of, I took the cheap way out on this one because I... I don't often get to sit there for 10 minutes and try to clear my mind, but every day for at least two hours, I do the intense visualization. So in one aspect, you know, I don't meditate that much, but in the other aspect, I meditate every day religiously. So, you know, do you do both? Do you separate the two? Do you spend, like, how, how do you do your meditation? I look at meditation as clearing the mind of thoughts. Okay. You allow the thoughts to come in, you let them go, you allow. And then Thich Nhat Hanh says, just let them go, don't judge them, and just come back to your center. Mm -hmm. Now, we're all, all of us who meditate want to get rid of those thoughts, but it's <laughs> best not to fight them. Yes. Even if we're positive thoughts, we don't want to be thinking about them, because we want to relax the brain as the first step. And then the second stage is to get beyond the thinking into a space of a floating experience. Everyone would experience it differently. Mm -hmm. We are more than our thoughts. We do want the thoughts to be positive, but I think we need to get the thoughts to be positive and then let them float away and get into our multidimensional self. Now, there are times that I visualize and I, I say something like, it's a prayer for me. Thank you so much. I'm speaking to God with thought, feeling, and emotion. Thank you so much for this. And I'm pulling in a possibility because I do believe that all of the possibilities are there and it's up to each of us to pull in that, that which we want. And then there's another perspective of co-create. And when we co-create, I'll give you an example. I'll say, you know, God, I really would love to have that, that new experience, that new job, I'll say, or a new apartment or a new home. But I know that you have more knowledge than I, and I'm going to leave that to you for my best interest. Thank you so much for that. And with that, I am creating with infinite abundance. Mm -hmm. And I'm going along with the will of God, and that's co-creating. Now, a guided meditation is something where I have it on my website where I want, there are so many uh, available. I'll, I'll walk down steps in my mind relax more and more with each step down the stairs. Go open a door and create a scene. Mine would be a beach. Sit there at the beach with a sense of stillness. And then come back up the stairs with every step being, I, I would be more alert with every step. 
-hmm. That would be a guided meditation. I think with your visualization for two hours, you're, you're really, it's very powerful. Yeah. Yeah. I, Because I, here's the thing. There's two, there's obviously two worlds, a mental world and the physical world, at least two worlds. And the, and the mental world is, is just as powerful. I mean, yeah, we've all ran scenarios that seem like they stopped our hearts. It's just as powerful as the physical world. And spending time there, uh, playing make-believe. You know, I, I like to call it that because it's, it's so childful. It's like, you know, we don't do that no more. As parents, as guardians, we don't get a chance to do that no more. And we have to take time to sit back and play make-believe. And it's a big part of it, you know. Um, I don't just visualize. I also, you know, spend a lot of time talking, having one-on-one -on -one conversations with God, listening. That's yes. where I get all my great information from that I, you know, I, I put out on Facebook and things like that. And you also have a direct communication line to the big man upstairs. You have an experience you know, where you were in direct communication with him, one of the many experiences, uh, but you were telling me about it before. Could you share that with us? Are, are you talking about the time in a session? Yeah. Well, so I was asked to bring deceased parents into the session, and I felt, how could I do that? But I sort of then told myself, well, you can do that. And I mentioned it to the client, and we were having a few more sessions before she was leaving town. We wouldn't be meeting. So I said, well, let's consider when you'll do that. And she, at the last session, didn't feel comfortable. So at that moment, her father spoke right through me and posed a question which shocked her. She said, it's so funny you should ask me that. He, he asked me that. And so... I, I'm not a channel, per se, but I do channel. And I find that when I'm more spiritual, when I'm meditating more, when I'm less three-dimensional, mm -hmm. the information from the other realms comes in more fully. And, Neil, we're all wired in the same way. Yes. And the path to that is to remove the cobwebs, all the compartments and the clutter, the routine thoughts that are going round and round, to be still in the mind. Stop and hear it. That's I, a lot of people. I've had a, a um, I believe her name was uh, Sheila Applegate, uh, one of my guests. She channels the spirit of Mary Magdalene. Uh, you know, everybody. You know, not everybody. People have their things that they channel, and I believe that it's this: you're quiet in your mind. You're asking God a question. And you're trusting that you're receiving the right information. And it comes to you, and it's right, and it fits the situation perfectly. And you're wondering, how did that magic just happen? But it's, it's, it really is a beautiful thing. And you do that a lot with your sessions, right? A lot of, like you said, not you don't call it channeling. What is it you call it? Well, it's at the moment I'm channeling direct information. There we go. Uh, and I, I talk to God all day long. If I feel I'm going into a situation uh, which is could be dangerous, I'll say, thank you so much for your protection. I'll say, you know, God, what do you think about this? Please let me know all I need to know about this to understand it more. So I have a conversation running, depending upon my day. If I'm in session and I don't quite know how to respond, I'll say, to one of the ascended masters, because they're all God. It's all, yeah. it encompasses what God is. I'll say, you know, St. Germain or Jay, I call Jesus Jay. I love him so much. <laughs> um, what would you say here? 
and I get a response. So it's the idea of keeping that communication line open. It's, I think at the top of the head, the top of the crown is where information comes in. Yeah, yeah. We wanna, it's a very, very sensitive, powerful part of us. And also the heart, the throat, and, and the crown chakra. Of course, there's a third eye chakra here, but the three, the heart, the throat, according to St. Germain, and the, this crown chakra are very, very powerful things. Now, do you get into the chakras a lot? I do. I'm not an expert on chakras, but when I'm working with clients, I sometimes, when through my eye, I can see from their kinesiology that they're at one chakra more than another, and I might suggest that we meditate to heal that chakra. There's a chakra clearing meditation, or we might um, just spend a few moments meditating on the chakra to see what the client gets from it. Now, you made, you made me think about like body pains and things of that nature, and something you had said earlier um, about the body. Uh, the body is unconscious, and when you said that, I said, I said, I was thinking, what, what, do, you, what do you mean by that? And then you explain it to me. Can you explain it again the way you explained it to me? Yeah. Communication starts actually from the, the earth. The pulse of the earth, the heart beats to. Information comes to the heart. Now hold on, mind you, when she said it to me earlier, she said no psychology would say this. No psychologist would say this. So we are getting the knowledge of two great fields combined. And it's not, it doesn't get much better than that. I'm sorry, go ahead. Thank you so much, so we have something which occurs in the heart, it goes up to the brain. And if we acknowledge it consciously, we have an experience. I feel angry, I feel upset, I feel good, I feel whatever way I'm feeling. And then we can work it through. If we don't acknowledge it, if we disavow it, it's sent to a part of the body that's correlated with that thought. And if we continue to do that, it could lead to aches and pains, and if we continue to do it even more, it could lead to a disorder. And I also mentioned the name of Dr. Candace Pert, the neuroscientist who discovered the opiate receptor in the brain, and she did so much research. Uh, and she found that, and she made the statement that no psychologist would ever <laughs> make a print. <laughs> she said, the body is the unconscious. It holds the unconscious. It, it holds what we don't allow, what we disavow. Freud hinted at it, and there, Candace Perk, lesser heart, stated it in her book, The Molecules of Emotion. There it is. You pulling from the earth, it's going through you, and you give it back out. That's, that sounds like a cycle to me. What happens when a cycle gets broken? You're pulling from the earth, it's going through you, and you're not sending it back out. You're sending it somewhere else, back onto your body. It sounds like I'm tacking a weight onto my arm, and if my arm starts hurting, that's why. And people blame it on other things. I slept on it wrong, all this other stuff. No, you're not in balance. You lost balance. You pulled from the earth, and instead of giving back, you internalized it. And Well said, yeah. And it, and it hurts. It hurts, you know? My shoulder hurts now. I'm really thinking about that. <laughs> All right, now. I was not asking you to say too much, but depending upon which side it is, the left side, we all have men and women. The left side is the female side, female receptive. 
for me... And the right side is the masculine future. And, I, you know, I was actually going to ask you about that, too. Um, because when people hear the female and masculine side of the mind, or the female and masculine side of God, uh, Asherah and Jarwah, they're thinking muscles and having babies. When it really goes a little bit deeper than that, it's, it's more masculinity versus the, the loving and caringness of a female. You know, I, I, I don't fully, I can't fully explain it, but you know, how, how is it worded in the books, you know, and, and the things you've seen as far as the, se the separation of the two? Well, I'm thinking of duality. Mm -hmm. we, we come into this third dimension, Earth, and we are in duality, right and wrong, black and white, mm -hmm. yes or no, them versus us. And we have the feminine side on the left and the uh, masculine side on the right. And part of this is from uh, Chinese medicine. Mm -hmm. uh, so if I have issues on my feminine side, I know it's from, I, I believe it's from my past, my childhood. And it's a sensitive, uh, embracing side. If I have something on my right side, it's, it's masculine. And I think of it as driving a stick shift in a car. Um, I'm driving and I want to take what I want. I need to know what I want and how to take it and make my way in the world. Now that, if I'm unbalanced, I could act only out of my feminine side, only out of my masculine side. But our task is to blend that in unity in the heart. So that it's not this way or that way, it's in the middle. I kind of, in my mind just now, I associated the past um, for the pain, uh, you said on the left, on, on the female side, the left side associated with past pain that you might have felt, and painful incidents, and the pain from the future is the chase. You know, anything you chase will run from you. Constantly looking for that next goal always puts in your mind, what am I, what have I not done yet to get there? What do I need to do to get myself there? What have I not done yet to successfully blah, blah, blah? And so that's a form of pain in itself. Both mental pain coming to physical pain, manifesting itself into the physical body. And uh, I'm really analyzing myself right now <laughs> as far as my, uh, my left uh, neck side of my shoulder hurting. But I, I wanted to talk about your book. I want to talk about your book. Um, you know, I can't even get into it. You get into it, because I know you, you were telling me before about the title, and you're going to wait a little bit for that and just explain it to us. So give us a little bit more uh, information about that. In 2010, I wrote the book about my personal journey. And, you know, I've been seeing clients for years now, and I've been informed by their stories, their struggles, their, their successes. And I wanted to write about my experience in becoming more loving and compassionate and moving toward enlightenment. And so I include healing, I talk about forgiveness as a sister to compassion, I talk about developing love and compassion within ourselves so that we can have it for everyone else, and also putting ourselves first in an assertive way. Because if I don't have it for myself and give it out, love and compassion, giving that out, mm -hmm. I'll become depleted. So I, I, I have 12 tips and uh, skills to develop, two of which are having an intention to grow on the spiritual path, and the other is taking responsibility for self. 
I talk about the science of mind, body, spirit, and that we want to align that part of ourselves. Because as we reach more and more compassion, we have the ability to move toward the upper aspects of our DNA. And I have come to realize, even post post book, this is not in the book, that every cell, and I think we have, people say different amounts, 50 plus trillion cells in our body. Each one is wrapped with the energy of our creator. So I am, uh, so I wrote the book in 2010, and my editor said, you really need to do a blog. And I said to myself and her, I'm not ready to make that commitment. So I sent the book out, and I got rejections, and I thought, she's right, to create that blog. And it's five years old now. And so I, and I was telling you also before that last February, I was in actually an exercise class, and I get this direct communication. It's not the time for the book. And so I figuratively picked myself up off the floor, felt sad, and I thought, okay, when God speaks to you, Linda, you've got to listen. Otherwise, that would be stupid. Yeah. (laughs) So what can you do? I said, well, I'm going to concentrate on speaking and writing. And I had to step back and wait for cues to come in. Because when we have an intention and we step back and let God take mastery over this, things start to happen. Uh And I had an invitation to write an article for Spiritual Fizz. I had someone invite me to do a podcast about my life as an Italian-American psychologist. I saw you on Facebook. I thought, hey, we think a lot of the same things. (laughs) And I reached out to you, and things are happening. And I developed my social media presence, which is kind of, it's it's absolutely essential for publishing today. Because they want to know, well, who's going to buy your book? And I shared with you earlier that I'm, I wasn't ready several years ago to be the speaker, the confident uh, discussant of my book, but now I am. So universe was, God was very helpful <laughs> because I learned a lot of things because I was willing to be open amidst the disappointments of not having the book go every year that I wanted it to be published. Mm-hmm. I was able to step back through great discipline, I must tell you. It was, and I've shared with parents, friends, family, um, that this book, I have three children, this book is my fourth baby. So in, in getting the book out there, to have my voice be heard, I'm looking for a publisher who can get ex- as excited as I am about it so we can put the book on the bestseller list. That's my visualization. That's for my co-creation. Because I heard from God many, many wonderful things about what's going to happen with this book. <laughs> but we always have to do the work. Yeah, you got to do the work and you got to dream big. You got to dream big. I'll say it one more time. You got to dream big. You are going to get out of life what you expect to get out of life. And if you expect to get a 10, you get a 10. If you expect to get a 100, you get a 100. If you expect a bestseller, you get the bestseller. I love all, all the information I've gotten from her, from talking to her. I had my own little personal therapy session earlier. Uh, she knows what she's talking about. She knows what she's talking about. Now, the book, I know you don't have a title, but can you give us an example of something that's floating in your head or, or if you had to kind of sum up the book, you know, and, and, and what, it, what it really talks about? Could you give us something like that? A little teaser? 
I think that many people are thirsty for spiritual knowledge. I, I heard from someone that approximately two-thirds of the world believes in so-called reincarnation. I think of it as many lives. Mm -hmm. So people want something, and I don't think there's enough out there that is specific enough for the American population. Although I think it has, the book has application overseas as well. But I think we Americans like tips. And two of them are, you know, as I said, I don't remember whether I said this earlier before we recorded, but intention to be aware that you want to move forward on the, on the path of spirituality. You want to grow that, uh, that soul of yours. And you want to take responsibility and not blame things that are happening on other people. We, we, we are creating through thoughts and feelings. And I want to share this quote from St. Germain that I mentioned to you before. Thoughts and feelings are living and pulsating things. And we have to understand that we are creating and it's coming back to us. Uh, Merlin talks about magic. And he, he's, a, he's a, magician, a magician, and he talks about using your wand. Play well. Create the things that you desire. Use your wand well. And I think the book has a place in getting ready for that magic. Because in order to do that, we have to clear away the cobwebs. And I think there are specifics enough to say what I've done and I'm continuing to do that other people will embrace. And you gotta believe it too. You gotta believe it. And it's, I hate to say it because that would steer, you know, the average person stuck in a rat race away. But at the end of the day, thoughts become things. And if you truly believe it's not gonna work, you're manifesting situations where it seems like it's not working. But at the end of the day, you're manifesting that situation. Therefore, it is working. You know? So you have to believe that it works. Uh, Merlin, your word is your wand. I think it was him yep. who said that. Yep. And said that. I love that so much. Uh, yesterday, I was interviewing uh, a guy, Neil Pinkman, and he said to me something that was so profound. Um, he said, and it's so simple, I'm, so, I'm mad I didn't think of it myself. <laughs> he said, <laughs> um, Imagine that every thought you had came true immediately. Now, how in tune would you be with checking your thoughts at that point? It would be your number one priority. You would see its importance and stay on top of it. And to, to, to piggyback on top of that, they, it is happening. You are on a minute level, maybe one one thousandth, but that thought is contributing instantly to making you know to creating your future and I, and I love that I always say people this is the ability to create your future some people want McDonald's some people want Burger King but everyone on this planet wants to be ability to create their future and this is the only way I've ever seen and obviously works I'm using it every day you're using it every day so it's like this thing takes off and goes global this planet changes and I, I really don't see any other change you know we're not doing too good as a people and the earth will evict us before it lets us destroy it. The only opposite to this negativity is being positive and not everyone 
<laughs> unfortunately <laughs> not everyone can be you know positive all the time but they can get on the same page with thoughts become things they start to manifest things into their life they start to feel better about themselves and the people around them therefore it is positivity the world shifts companies start to work together that wouldn't have normally worked before government starts to you know peel, peel back on some of the sliminess that they've been doing <laughs> and the world simply changes there's no other way i don't i mean if there's another way, someone tell me. I can't think I of anything. I agree with you, Neil. We need to change ourselves, and the way we do is to understand what we're thinking and to also understand who we are, to let go of what we don't need anymore, uh, the hurts and grievances from childhood, so that we can truly love ourselves, because self-love is an essential to get us to where we want to go. Now... I always say, and I say this every day, no matter what you ask for in life, you'll be shown, if not proven, that you can't have it. And it's how you respond to that determines if and when you get it. Yes. And that's what it is. You ask for something, the universe says, no, you can't have that. And then God sits back and watches. What will you do? Will you give up? Will you cry and complain? Or will you say, no, nah, I don't believe that? This is, I know this is my future, I know this is part of my future, and stick with it. And now, off the top of the head, can you think of any situations where you've used thoughts become things and, you know, manifested things into your life, and furthermore, any situations where you might have hit that stumble, where you might have hit that point? Because when I hit that point where I get told no, for me, I smile. It's game on. I, and I feel honored that God took time out of his busy day to come see me. Like, I kind of feel that way, even though he's watching me all day, every day. I still kind of feel honored. Like, hey, he's watching. I'm in the middle of this. Like, he's direct testing me. And I kind of get happy when things like that happen and people think I'm crazy. They're like, you just got bad news. Why are you smiling? And I'm like, just watch. Watch <laughs> and see, you know. So, I mean, do, can you think of any situations, you know, any manifesting situations, that uh, stories that you could tell us? I forget what year, it's in the book, um, it's a while ago, in, in 2008 maybe, I wanted a soulmate, a, a man to come into my life, to be a partner, and I worked on it and worked on it, clearing things, working, working, and I got, I had a tantrum with God. <laughs> so I, before I went to bed, I said, God, I don't understand why this isn't happening. I, what am I doing something wrong? I just don't get it. Please, please tell me what it is that's going on. So I slept and I woke up. And that morning, I felt light around me, like a swirling light. And I heard, you're not doing anything wrong. You would be overwhelmed if this happened right now. And that allowed me to sit back and and it was a relief for me. Mm. Other time, I don't know whether you want to say anything about that, but I have another uh, little bit of the thing that I've already mentioned that I'll elaborate on. But did you want to say something? Uh, you know what? I, I was just going to say that um, of, of the tantrums I've had <laughs> with <laughs> with God, um, I, I, it's the it's the weirdest thing. The next day, something very very good happens in that area. 
It, I, and I kind of feel weird saying, lock yourself in a room and scream at God at the top of your might and let it all out for 20 minutes. But I got to tell you, the times where I did that, the next day, the thing I was screaming about, I was excelled. I was pushed forward in that area, whether it be career, finances, love, whatever the situation. Um, so I, you might want to give it a shot. <laughs> you know, I always have believed that of late in my spiritual uh, phase that we get what we need. Mm-hmm. We may not get exactly what we want, mm-hmm. and we can work toward that, learning, facing the, the, the interactions that we go through all day, every day. But we get what we need. Um, the other situation is with regard to the book, because I, I've done a lot of work on social media. I've uh, I've done the blog for five years. I have sent it out. And it was not happening because the time was not right for it. Because of me, because of perhaps the situation uh, in the divine right plan. So that allowed me to develop patience and faith that I was not being ignored, but that there were reasons that were beyond my scope of knowledge. So I became quite patient and uh, very faithful. In God's time. Yes. That's a huge part of manifesting. Everyone needs to understand in God's time. My biggest challenge as a life coach is if my clients aren't millionaires by day two, they automatically start to fade back. And I, listen, I don't, the who, to whom much is given, much is tested. I'm a firm believer in that. The bigger the thing you want, the bigger the impact you're having, the, the change to your life, the more energy and effort it's going to take to change it. So in God's time, you place your orders, you won't get exactly what you want. You're going to get a feeling. And that's another big point. That's another huge point. If I'm to sit here and intense visualize myself in a situation, the universe is going to do whatever it has to do. God's going to do whatever it has to do to make me feel that feeling again, which doesn't mean giving me that same exact incident. It's giving me another incident that makes me feel that feeling. So understand, you might not get exactly what you want, but it's the same feeling. And I say that because I was dealing with somebody recently uh, with uh, relationship advice. And they were trying so hard to make this relationship work, but it just wasn't. And to find love, to to manifest love into your life doesn't mean it's gonna make that one work. That person might leave, the next person comes, your head over heels and happier than you've ever been. But if you're not open to that because you're still fighting to keep something working that ain't meant to work, you're going against the grain. You're going against the grain, you're going against yourself, you will not win this fight against the universe. <laughs> you will not win this fight against the universe at all. Um, That's so true, Neil. Now, because sometimes people lose faith in prayer because they pray for something that's against the grain. And so uh, there's a little prayer that I got from an old friend of mine. Can something be changed? If it's in the divine plan, can something be changed to allow this? And if it can't, we need to pray for the best possible situation for us and all concerned. So that we all uh, are treated in the, um, that we just get the best possible situation. And that's a huge roadblock right there. When I think of the New York area where you're at, the Philadelphia and New Jersey area where I'm at, 
most of these people walking around are stuck. They want that. And if God, they want that, uh, let's say, I'll give an example. They want that Mercedes Benz and they're not changing their mind. They're not changing their wish list. They're going to fight for it and fight for it and fight for it. When God has a Maserati waiting for him. You know, he's got something better waiting for you. And you keep, and that's, that's going to be a big struggle getting people to let go of their current dreams and let the universe bring to them what they're truly meant to have, you know? And, and that also involves a lot of getting them to believe that the universe has a plan for them. A lot of people are thinking things are random. A lot of people are thinking different things. We all got to get on the same page. It all makes sense. If you're one with something, you're one with something. That means I can't do you wrong. You can't do me wrong. The energy, the connection, us, God, all one, connected, love, peace, happiness is the reason why love feels good. There's a reason why happiness feels good. Those are the state of minds that we're supposed to be in. And that actually brings me to my next thing I wanted to, uh, wanted to ask you. Um, the ego. The biggest subject of all, my biggest subject that I'm studying right now, the egoic voice that comes in and says, you're not good enough. You never will be. You've never had that before. What are the chances of you getting it again? How do you teach your clients to handle that because the ego is not going nowhere it's always going to be there but you can work with it obviously you know i like to tell people to identify it understand it learn more about it if you got this opponent that's seeming to work against you all day and it's not going anywhere because it's programmed to be in your mind the least you can do is learn about it I mean, that's the very least you can do so how how do you coach and teach in that area i coach and teach and learn for myself and i've done this for myself that these negative thoughts come from our childhood experiences. Now, I believe in many lifetimes, and I believe that when we come in, we choose who our parents are going to be, and we choose the lessons that we're going to work through so that we learn to love our parents and their frailties, so that we can love ourselves. So we, we have this, this situation where we have to heal it. And... We need to, you know those roots I was telling you prior to broadcast? The roots, we need to pull the roots of the dandelions out of the garden. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you ever see a dandelion root, how tenacious it is? Mm -hmm. But we just pull it out from the top, there's that root. So in my model, uh, the four-stage model, there's know what you're thinking, understand the usual response, what are the roots of your childhood? Don't dwell on them, but understand their influence. And so something comes up where I was hurt in childhood. I will take time with my client to have them write about it, uh, dialogue with their younger self, which, I, as I said, I do myself, to come to a place where they can use Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's uh, five stages of grief, where they're shock, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. Mm -hmm. And we need to go through that. When we get stuck somewhere, work on that with the issue at hand. And a very tricky part of grieving is the bargaining stage. Because when we are in bargaining, we can say, well, but if I did this, if I did mm -hmm. that, it would have been better. It's a waste of, it's like being in cyberspace lost. Mm -hmm. We need to get through the bargaining Go to the feeling sad. I use depression lightly. Go to the sad place where you accept. Accepting. When you happen. 
and then to a place of acceptance. And I entertain the little children within, and we are their parents now. So I have these little girls within, and I want to be informed about them because they're my genius. And we all have that, the genius of the child. And we want them to be happy children. Mm -hmm. As their parent, so I would say something like, put a dot and a circle around the dot. And in that dot, see yourself as a child and tell you, because you're speaking to yourself, you're speaking to your children. We had no power as children. I'm speaking in the ego, in the third dimension, not spiritually. Mm -hmm. We had no power as children. But now, you do have power. I'm in charge. I, the adult. And I am going to protect you. I am going to love you unconditionally. I will hug you. And I will be aware of what you need. So sometimes, one of my clients likes to uh, go to the park in color. A little girl takes her there. I may like to go to the cinema to see films. Uh, I might like to paint my nails. Whatever it is that the younger children want. Give them a voice so that you can, as the mother, I'm the mother, you're the dad, mom, mm -hmm. dad, I'm mom, dad, bring them up to being happy children. And so with that, that loosens those voices that we hear, you can't do this, you can't do mm -hmm. that. And then there's more of the ability, this, and this is more elegant, this is more spiritual, replace the thoughts with something else. So if I were to get a thought, you really can't talk to Neo today. You don't have anything to say. I would say, oh, that's not really not true. I'm going to have a very good conversation. And I would continue to affirm that. And we need to be disciplined that way with the thoughts. You know, the duality in what you just said, I never really realized it before. You are going to have to have split personalities at that second. You're going to have to disassociate from that voice as not you. That's an outside influence that, well, it's internal, but it's outside of you, you. And it's trying to mess with you right now. I, um, I call my ego Sparky. Um, because it's it, it, kind of because it's like demeaning. It's like you're just a little dog. And that's why I think of it. Um, you know how they got like the, uh, the, the paintings that are kind of like not three-dimensional, but the, the paste is so thick that it comes off the canvas a little bit. Well, I picture each thought is me painting a picture that is a scenario. And as soon as I'm done painting it, I'm kind of inserting it like a floppy disk into the world so the world can create it. But what happens is as soon as I start painting it, the ego, Sparky over here, notices I'm doing something and like a dog, he gets up, wags his tail and runs over. And I can either acknowledge him or I can shoo him away. Like you said, when you meditate, when the thoughts come, yeah, they came and you shoo them away. Get away, Sparky. I'm doing something right now. I'm, I'm benefiting both of our futures right now by watering some great seeds. You're over here trying to mess it up. Leave me alone. So I've decided to put that name on that, that, demean, that not demeaning, you know, but as far as a supervisory position over the pet. I decided to give it that name. That way... It doesn't hurt me as much. It does. I'm taking away its power literally every time I say the word Sparky, because of what I, where I associate, you know, the word Sparky uh, to be. So, I mean, do you? Uh, that that makes me want to ask. Do you use any kind of name for yours? I don't, but I think it's it's uh, imaginative for you to do so. If it resonates in your heart, Neil, 
that's your wisdom. Mm-hmm. It needs to resonate. I, I don't want to take anything in that doesn't resonate with my, the Chinese call it the empress. For you, it's the emperor. This is the heart as, a, as an organ. It's the heart as a chakra. It's the seat of compassion. And it has access to our higher self, which is our golden angel. Our highest wisdom. Now that makes me think about affirmations. Because with affirmations, I might say an affirmation 15 different ways before I get it right. Each word in there has to feel good. One word feels off and you're, you're kind of sending mixed signals in your chest and your mind and your soul and spirit and all of that stuff. So if you're going to do affirmations, make sure you word it so it feels good to you. Everybody has a different past, which means it's going to feel differently for everybody. My affirmations might not work 100% for you. Linda, do you use affirmations? All the time. When I'm sitting in the dentist chair. Nice. Oh, that's the best time. That is the best time to use that because you're sweating. You don't know when it's going to sting. Oh. I like, I am calm. I am safe. I have a good dentist, but what I like is the I am, because I am has a, a resonance, an electromagnetic resonance to our higher self. And when I say, like right now, I am, I could feel the resonance. So when I say, I am calm, I am safe, and I just repeat that, I almost go into a, a trance. A trance, yes. And I, I, I feel very relaxed. And, you know, the, the strongest way to speak something into existence is to say it in the present. Mark eleven twenty four. not to get all preachy, but Mark eleven twenty four. whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you already have it and it, will you, and it will be yours. The only way to do that is I am. I can, I will, I hope, those are all manifest futures where you're saying I can, I will, I hope again. And then another future where you're saying I can, which means you're never gonna, you're never getting what you want. So seeing things in the present moment is a huge part of that. It's so funny you said that about a, about the dentist because as soon as I sit down in the dentist chair, I just start saying the best things I can think of. This is the greatest visit. I feel great. This was a quick and easy visit. You know, as though it already happened. As though I'm in the car on the way home. And you know, because that drill comes, and you don't know when it's going to sting a little bit. And uh, yeah, the, I can't, that's so funny you mentioned, you mentioned the dentist chair. <laughs> modalities, energy modalities. I, I wanted to make sure we talk about those a little bit because I'm actually not too familiar with the term. So give, give me a little bit about that. I use three. Uh, where I studied, and I'm a Reiki master, so I use Reiki with my clients. I use vortex and integrated energy. There are different rays that come in, and I find that they at least relax, and with someone's acquiescence, approval, they get he- there's a healing involved. Okay. And so since I'm a psychologist, we don't, uh, we're not licensed to touch people. So if you had a Reiki master who practiced as a Reiki master, you would be on a, on a uh, chaise lounge and she would be touching you at various points. What I do is I intend the energy. And, and so I sit where I'm sitting, my clients are sitting or like laying down. I, I usually encourage them to be in a meditative, receptive state. 
and we'll, we'll meditate together or just be quiet together and I will send and the energy comes through me I'm just a vehicle and it's utilizing what's available out there for productive purpose for, for healing um, yeah so I, I think the energy in my office has the ascended masters, the angels, the guides, and then sometimes when we wish to do, when my client wishes to do uh, Reiki, we'll do we'll do an actual uh, sit down and and and, and intend the energy to come. It's I have found it very powerful, and part of my being a member of the spiritual group in 2001 was to get healings. Every three weeks I went to heal this or that. And I still, I still have healings from Kuan Yin. I do healings myself. A dear friend of mine and I, we heal each other. It's all about healing. Um, Taking care of your temple. Well, Taking care of your temple. I love that. I love that. It's like so many people get, get, the, get the doctor's degree or get the lawyer's degree or whatever, and then they, then they stop. You know, they stop what they're doing, and you're, you're not doing that. You're going back for your tune-ups. You're going back for your, that's what it is. You're going back for your tune-ups. And the fact that you're using it on yourself and not just your patients, that's, well, the, that's the best. You know, my philosophy of doing, whether it's clinical work or coaching, is that the client is the expert on themselves. I'm the expert on theories for psychological and spiritual change. And we collaborate on ways to bring the client forward according to the client's goals. And there's the, the attitude of playfulness. <laughs> I love the idea of playfulness because it brings a lightness of being and allows for imagination. You know, Einstein said that imagination is more important than intelligence. Uh -huh. Imagination encircles the world. And I would say that imagination travels the galaxies. Definitely, definitely. When I mean, you have a thought, course, um, if you can dream it, you can create it. When you have a thought, it travels across the entire universe, not just your city, not just your state or earth. You know, uh, get your study on, get your science on. It is my, it is in my professional opinion that uh, you know all psychologists and psychiatrists should work with spiritual coaching too, because you got both now. You know, it's like going into battle with two swords instead of one. Yeah, one is cool. You know, you can get the job done, but two is, it's two. <laughs> it's definitely two. Linda Marcinico, right? Marsanico. Marsanico. Why do I keep saying? Oh, it's the, all right. Linda Marsanico. LindaMarsanico.com. She's got the blog. Go on there and check her out. It's been around for, you said, five years, right? Been around for five years, all kind of great information, mixing basically science with, I'm going to say, spirituality, not religion. Because I got sometimes I talk about mixing science and religion, but being spiritual isn't a religion. You know, it's just, a, it's more of a, just a way of being. It's being who we truly are. It's being who we were born before society and our parents, you know, helped shape us into who we are, you know, our upbringing. It's, it's, it's more of that. And... As far as atheists and things like that go, um, my thing is this. Uh, I, I, I often find myself in a room with Scientologists, atheists, Catholic, Christian, Muslim, and I got to make sure that I don't offend anybody. And so what I tell them is this. 
if okay you don't believe in God that's cool but for all intents and purposes for when I'm speaking the air you breathe the temperature you feel the love that you feel the grass outside all of that is God we're just gonna call it that I know you believe in temperature because you feel it I know you believe in the grass because we can both see it so let's just go like that and you know what I've gotten an overwhelming response in doing that I've had atheists look at me and immediately be like alright I'll give you that you know, I still, you know, they still don't believe in God, but for right now, they have no choice but to believe in the things I just mentioned. <laughs> so to put them all under one umbrella, you know, that's that's the way we do it. So, uh, you know, we're coming up on the end of the show. You know, you got your website, you got your blog. I mean, is anything, you know, let everybody know how they can reach you. You do Skype sessions. I do. Uh, I do Skype, telephone from anywhere in the world or this country. You can follow me on Twitter at... L Marsanico, that's M A R S A N I C O. And feel free to make comments on my blog. I write about love and compassion every two weeks. I would love to hear from you. Love and compassion, two of the foundations of life. You know, they always say you can't love, you can't love someone else until you love yourself. You know, that's a huge part of it. And the oneness, the spirituality, the thoughts become things grows in appreciation for everything around you. Everything around you, you'll start to appreciate more. And with meditation, you'll start to feel it more, which will really make you feel it more. So definitely get over there, check out our website, and uh, you know, forward this to everybody you know, because this is, like I said, this is duality. We're dealing with two swords here. It's something that I don't get a chance to get to, to do. It's been my pleasure to have you on the show. I thank you very much. And... Um, yeah, I mean, any final words? I want to thank you for being such a wonderful host. You are so easy to speak to. Thank you. I've enjoyed your videos, and it's so wonderful to share so much in common in the way that we think. It is. I love it feels great. Like, the rest of my day is set now. Like, I'm on cloud nine right now, and I'm going to remain here because of that. And let this be an example. You know, let the positivity spread in your life. You know, let it spread in your life. Hold on to it all day and watch what it does. It trickles down to your children. It trickles out to their friends, their teachers. Then you're just surrounded by all this greatness and you just enjoy it. You know, that's what life is. You know? Well, until next time, I'm Nehemiah Davila, a.k.a. Neo Positivity. Of course, you know, check me out on neopositivity.com and the Facebook and all that other stuff. And thank you to Sarah Troy for making all this possible. Self-Discovery Radio, thank you to you guys too. This is Thoughts Become Things International, retraining your thought process. Good day. <laughs>